It's an awesome, awesome time of worship. And um, I'm just going to fall straight into it because I believe God wants to do something. And I'm not going to go through all the niceties and all that. I feel welcome. My wife feels welcome. That's important. Um, but I think in answer to what Brad said here, when he had the two words for those two com communities, um, he said, sorry, I didn't have one for you guys. And I had the picture of, you know, when an architect designs a house, he's got this thing in his head of what it's going to look like. But then once he's got that done on paper, he gets in an engineer and a draftsman, actually, to draw this to show you how it's going to work. Um, sorry, have you opened it? Can you open it for me, please? I'll tell you why, in case you wondered why I walked up here funny. I had a stroke uh, in June last year, and this is a miracle that I can walk again and, and, and preach again. And this is God's healing power in, in the day and age that we live in. So I absolutely live by the grace of God, and I, I'm just so happy to preach His Word because I thought it was all over back then. But as I was saying with the word that you gave, um, it, it was a picture of what God wants to do for those two communities. But that's what's the, what the architect draws and, and puts his thoughts out there. This is what it's going to look like. And then the draftsman comes and the engineer comes and he actually gives the detail to how it's going to work. And I think what, that's what the sermon is about today, is that it's going to give us the handles, it's going to give us the gears, the mechanism of how we get to the place where the Holy Spirit just works through us. It's going to get us to a place where we're going to love being in the presence of God. So if you turn with me, please, to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. And um, uh, please, this is just personal. There's two, two sounds I like. I love the sound of V8 engines. Um, V12, V10, any big engine, I love that. But there's a sound that I love more than that, and that's the rustling of pages in the Bible being turned. I just love the page. So uh, uh, I find it hard to use the, the flat screens and the big screens and stuff. So um, that's just my personal liking. So we're going to read verse 31 of uh, Isaiah chapter 40. And it says this, But they who wait upon the Lord, shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up on, on wing, with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Now I want to just uh, put some T's and C's to this scripture. This is not something that you use before you run the comrades and think, if I just wait on the Lord, I'll be able to run and, and do the comrades. That's, that's not the way this scripture works. Actually, when we wait on the Lord, that's the building blocks for the Holy Spirit working through us. It's the waiting on the Lord. So I like the way the Scripture starts, and I'll see how time goes because I'm supposed to, from here, go back in this whole chapter and, and run and do a run-up to this verse again, but I don't think we're going to have enough time, so, so we'll see where we go here. Um, what I like about the Scripture, it says... They who wait. Now, in the, in the day that we live in, people find reason why they are either not successful in business, why they don't have a successful marriage, 
or why they are not successful, if I can call it that, in their walk with God. We actually spoke earlier about the guy at the pool of Bethesda. Right? When Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do? What was his answer? I'm disadvantaged, Lord. I have no one to put me in the water. Jesus didn't ask him, do you have somebody to put you in the water? He said, what do you want me to do for you? And he straight away went to the disadvantage that he thought he had. And he said, I have no one. And that could be, I don't have education. I don't have money. I don't know the right family. I was born on the wrong side of the railway line, if that still exists, because they steal the railway line, so you can't be on the wrong side of the railway line anymore nowadays. But the, the, the point is that we have so many excuses for not being at the place where God wants to work through us. And we've heard the scripture earlier, God's eyes are going to and fro, and he, He's looking for an opportunity to work through you and me. He's looking for an opportunity to use us in His kingdom, to advance His kingdom, and yet we come up with these lame excuses of why it's not us, and we want people to feel sorry for us. So we want ministry, and we want more ministry, and the elders didn't phone me, and, and the deacon walked past me. Lord, I have no one. And we go to our disadvantage uh, or, or feeling that we are disadvantaged. But when it comes to God, no one has a disadvantage. It doesn't matter where you're born. It doesn't matter, you know what, actually, from what I understand, I am actually a millionaire. I, I didn't realize that. Because they say you have to have six notes. Now, I have six bank accounts. They're all on note. Um, so, so, so apparently I'm a millionaire because I've got six notes behind my name. But, but God doesn't, doesn't choose between wealth, color of skin, nothing like that. He says they will wait on the Lord. Not the learned person. Not the one who's, who's the paid professional in the church. They so you are included in the day. If you've never waited upon the Lord, if you've never pressed in to get to know God, He includes you in this. He says, um, the, the, the writer here includes you and he says, they, you, whatever your name is, you, if you wait on the Lord, you shall the Lord will renew your strength. So nobody is excluded to experience God in the biggest form or way that man can experience God. And we're living in a time where there's so much doom and gloom, where people are, are depressed. I've never seen so many depressed people. Now, and let's face it, COVID has that effect on people. People are losing their jobs. People have strokes in COVID. Stuff happens. But if you have a big picture of God, you will get through it. And, and I, I'm concerned that many believers don't have a big enough picture of who our God really is. So a while ago, Andrew spoke on, I think it's two weeks ago, he spoke on the reason or, or, or how he's, he structures his quiet time. One Sunday morning he spoke on that, and he encouraged us to have a quiet time. And I think I just want to tag onto that a little bit and say, this waiting on the Lord, that is what Andrew spoke about. 
Wait on the Lord. What we have is we rush the Lord because we want to tick the box. So we rush the Lord. If I, I just have to get this two minutes in, uh, then at least I said at a quiet time, and then I can go to work or whatever. And we, we, we don't wait upon the Lord. We give God a time frame that He needs to get there so that we can meet with Him. And if He doesn't rock up in that three minutes that I have for Him, then, sorry Lord, you missed out. I'll spend time with you again when I can. But the Scripture is clear. It's not He that pops in. It's not He that rushes God. It's they who wait upon the Lord. That's a different dynamic. It's about sitting in God's presence, or I would rather say it's bathing in the presence of the Almighty. What we do is we take a shower with God. Quick one, in and out, and we're more dry when we come out than when we went in because it just happens so quick. But God wants us to, to bathe in the presence of the Almighty. You see, when that happens, the Holy Spirit has time to move through us. But the real reason, the real reason why I'm, I, I want to stress that point, the topic of this message is knowing the unknowable. God, in essence, is actually unknowable. God, in essence, we can't describe Him. He's indescribable. We can't comprehend Him. He is just so big, and yet the Bible says we can know Him. So let's put that in perspective. So I brought something with that I'd like to, I'm just going to test your eyes quickly. Uh, I'll test the camera as well. Oops. I've got a pen here, and you have to believe me, uh, the older guys from the comms. At the back of this pen is a blue dot. Can you see it, sir? He's got good eyes. Okay, let's try somebody else. Can you see it? The pale blue dot. Got it? Now, Earth is referred to as the pale blue dot in our galaxy, right? Now, now picture this blue dot. I mean, it's, it's, it's fairly small. But somewhere on that blue dot, if this blue dot is planet Earth, then somewhere there's a little square area that's plotted out as Africa. You see that? Can you see Africa? No? Okay, but on that Africa, there's a little area spaced out as South Africa. And on that, on that little area of South Africa, there's the Western Cape. And there's an area called Edgemead. And there's a building called uh, Edmead Josh Jen or Josh Jen Edgemead, whatever. That's the building. And inside there are 50 chairs with 50 dots on it. That's you. That's how insignificantly small we are before this big, big God that we serve. But man has got it wrong. Man is, has got the ability of trying to be more important than what he really is. So instead of understanding that that's where you fit in and, and stand in awe of this big God, we come in the face of God and we question God, where were you when this happened in my life? Where is God when that has gone wrong in my life? We question God as if we're not somewhere as a dot 
on this pale blue planet of ours. Now, if somehow, if somehow we can understand who we really are, we'll stand in awe of God and we will truly worship Him. You know, the problem is that there was a time that mankind would spell man with a small m and God with a capital M. Man is at a place where they spell man with a capital M and God with a small g. Because we do not have a big enough vision. We do not have a big enough picture of who our God really, really is. And if we can get that picture of how big our God is, then we will change in the way we worship. Then it will change the way we approach God. It will change the way we live. It will change the way we do business. It will change the way that we act in our marriage if we understand how big our God is. So, if we can go to the scripture in Deuteronomy 29, there's some good news. Is this God that is actually unknowable has found a way of making himself known to us. So it says here, so the secret things belong to the Lord, our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of his law. So there's one thing that you can know about God, is that you will never know everything about God. That's the thing, that's for sure. You won't know that. But if we look at, the, at how God reveals himself, he has given his scripture... And he reveals himself through scripture. Because if he did not do that, we would not have known who God is. And he has done an amazing uh, 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 job of explaining himself. So, so, so to a certain degree, we understand through the word of God, we understand what the will of God is. We understand what the character of God is. We understand the persons of the Godhead. Because it's in his word. But now that's, that's a general uh, re revelation to the, to the church. And if you should go through the lives of people here, you'll find that some people, we call it more experienced Christians. They have more experience. No, they just have more time with God. Because when you spend time with God, there's something that is called, can we have that verse again, please? There's something that is called, God will reveal, um, whatever he reveals to us belongs to us. I want to say this, there's the re revelation through God's word, and then there is personal revelation. And it's when you spend time, we call it a quiet time, it doesn't have to be quiet. It can be a noisy time as well, as long as you spend time with God. Now, when we spend time with God, that's when he does the personal revelation of who he is. And that's where we start to know the unknowable. In that quiet time, as God reveals something of his heart to you, as we spend time praying or worshiping, as we spend time reading his word, God will reveal to you something of who he is. And at that point, we begin to know the unknowable. Why is that important? Why is that important? Because we have a mission. Once we, once we have the revealed word of God, we have to do something with it. So we're going to go to the scripture just quickly in Acts chapter 17, where um, Paul is standing at, standing at the Oropagus and he's seeing, saying, guys, I see that you are religious, because somewhere, have we got it up there? 
Acts 17. He says, uh, guys, I see that you're religious because you've got a plaque up here to the unknown God. So, so, so yes, when we get born again, a lot of what, who God is is still unknown to us. And, and when we hear the word and when, when, when pastors and teachers preach the word, we get to know to a certain degree who God is. But we cannot remain there. We need to get stuck in, spend time in the presence of this holy God so that we can begin to know the unknowable because there's a reason for us to know him. It says here, For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found an, also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. And here's, here's why we can, cannot remain not knowing God. It says this, What therefore you worship as unknown, this I make known to you. So the world is in a place where God is unknown to them. So it is our duty, it is our responsibility as believers to bathe in the presence of the Almighty God so that we can get fresh revelation, so that we can make known the unknown God to the world, so that they can stop being religious, that they can start worshiping God for who He is. So we have a God-given responsibility. I want to say this, that your quiet time, finding out the bigness of God, is not an optional extra to Christianity. When you buy a car, if you're lucky enough to be able to buy a new car, you can choose optional extra. Leather seats? Yes. Uh, Touchscreen navigation? Yes. Sunroof? Panoramic roof? Mags? Okay, I'm preaching edge meat, not Mitchell's plane. Um, um, <laughs> Still take the mags. Still take the mags. <laughs> the point is, you can pay for the optional extra. You can choose it. But in Christianity, in your walk with God, in your relationship with God, spending time with Him is not an optional extra. And sometimes we tend to treat it that way. God must be very lucky if I'm going to spend time with Him. But I, I tell you this, when we spend time with Him, He reveals Himself in a way that helps us through our most difficult times. So I'm going to quickly run, as, okay, not physically, you saw what happened here as I walked up here, um, but I'm going to quickly run from verse 15 of chapter 40 back to verse 31. And please do go and read this by yourself because it's important stuff that God wants us to know. So, as God's people is going through a difficult time, verse 15 says, Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. So God's just putting them in their place. He's just bringing perspective like I just did. Drop in a bucket. This is how small we are. So we have no right or we have no place in standing in the face of God and ask him, where were you when this happened? So, the one way of looking at behold the nations from the perspective of Israel is, the nations used to be their most insurmountable uh, problem. They had to fight the nations. And God's saying to them here, the writer uh, um, here says, 
Behold, the nations are nothing. Your enemy, when God is with you, your enemy is nothing. And, and actually, just as it comes across my mind right now, is we used to sing a song, um, not a song, a hymn, Who is on the Lord's Side? That, when I was a little picky, that was many years ago when I was a picky, um, who is on the Lord's side, who will serve the king? And we felt all oh, gusto when we sang that. But, but you know, actually, what, we, what I'm talking about here is not finding out who is on the Lord's side, but getting to know the Lord that is on your side. You need to know the Lord that is on your side. And God is saying, I'm on your side, and when I'm on your side, your enemy, your insurmountable problem is nothing. It's like the dust on the scales. Verse 18. This is where our problems, or mankind's problem starts. To whom then will you liken God? The question is, how big is our God? But because we have a limited understanding of who our God is, because we do not press in and get to know Him, and because we do not get the personal revelation of who this very, 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 very big God is, we start to liken Him unto something else to give us an idea of who God is. But the question is, to who can I compare you, Lord? There's none. There's none. And, and actually... I want to put a bit of emphasis on that word, liken. Because what we sometimes do not understand is that as, you, as mankind, we do not have the words to truly describe God. And therefore, in the Bible, in, in places like Isaiah, when I saw the Lord, his strengthful temple, and then he will des describe, and it was like unto this. If you look at Ezekiel, I saw visions of God, and I saw a wheel within a wheel with eyes everywhere, and this thing moved like a drone in all directions uh, without turning. That was the first picture of a drone that Ezekiel drew up there. But he says it was like, because he saw something, but it was too big for his mind, and he couldn't exactly describe it, so he said it was like that. Now, the problem is, when we take something, God's got to simplify things, especially for me, because I can't understand the difficult stuff. So, you safe, you can understand the difficult things in the Bible, but you need to simplify it for me. So, God simplifies stuff by using the word like. And then we come and we get that wrong. Then we make as if the word like is, this is definitely so. So when God says he is like a coal of the altar, people say, so God is a coal of the altar. No, no, no. That is a sin to do that. That's, like, that's taking what he likens himself to as if that's real and actually falls under idolatry. Because we make something, we make God a God that we can handle in our thinking. We take something that God that God compares himself to, just so that we can understand a little bit of him. And we make as if that is him. That actually falls under idolatry. Because we're creating a God of our liking. A God that we understand. And I promise you, the day that you understand God, he is not God. Because you can never understand God. So, the point is, your God asks, to whom will I be likened? And the answer is, no one. No one, Lord. 
And maybe, maybe this is something that we need to deal with here today. Maybe you have had very small thoughts of God. Because God deals here with a few things, and I won't be able to go into everything, because the writer here becomes very sarcastic. He says, who will he liken unto God? To an idol? In verse 19, to an idol? Something that a craftsman makes and then covers with gold? Mankind compares God, the creator, with that? And he's actually being sarcastic. Because it's stupid. And then he goes, he says in verse 20, um, sorry, in verse 21, he says, Do you not know? Do you not hear? Now, the Greek for that is, Are you doff? How doff can you be? And it comes up more than once that God has to ask people, Are you doff? And he, so I'm just running quickly through just to make my point here. In verse 22, he says, it is he who sits upon the circle of the earth. Now, you can look at that circle as, as the heavens over us or the horizon around like that. It's both half a circle. But, but God says that he holds everything that we understand in the span of his hand. So, so the picture is that we are very, very small, and God is very, very big. But we liken him, we think through a lens of what we have seen as big, and then we think God can't help us in our moment of need. And then we, we, we um, don't trust God to get us through our difficult times. God is not like a, a political leader. God is not like a president of a country. And that's why Andrew often says, we've got a higher authority that we have to give account to. So, so no wonder, no wonder um, in verse 22 it says, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants, inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. And here he comes, who brings princes to nothing and makes rulers of the earth as emptiness. Now we know that some people have some emptiness, but, but we're not going to delve into that. Okay? The point is, God's saying, if you are more afraid of your rulers, if you are more scared of what they're going to do, are they going to bring lockdown or no lockdown? Are they going to lie to worship or not worship? If you are more afraid of the rulers, then you don't know how big God is. And often our fears, often our lives are controlled by our fears because we picture authority or, or rulership as we know it. And we think that's how our God is. Our God is bigger than anything that you have ever imagined. Our God is big. And for the third time, God challenges them in verse 25. He says, to whom will you compare me? God is challenging something in our hearts. I believe that tonight we need to deal with idols in our heart. God is challenging the idols in our heart. The idols that we hold on to for security, like the government pension. The idols that we hold on to secure, uh, as security, like your old mutual whatever annuity fund. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying if you don't have it, 
God is in control. I'm saying that our, our faith should be in God. God is challenging all these safe houses that you've built inside your house, in, inside your heart. All the safety nets that you've put in place so that you can make it. God's saying, that's man-made. Are you going to trust me enough? Are you going to deal with that idol in your heart and believe that I am bigger than that idol in your heart? We need to tonight. I think God challenges us here and at, at the homes to deal with the idols in our heart. To lift up our eyes, to behold our God in verse 26. To, to lift up our eyes and behold our God. The one other thing that God wants to deal with us about, and we'll find that in verse 27. Or let's, let's, let's go, 26, sorry, at the end of it. Look at that. It says, he brings out the host by number, calling them all by name. Doesn't that just give you hope? Because, because there are people on this planet, in the midst of the pandemic, they don't believe that God knows their name. You think you're alone. You think that God has forgotten about you. And it goes as far as to say in verse 27, Why do you say, O Jacob, and why do you speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded, disregarded by God? With other words, he's saying, God has forgotten about me. And when we do that, it's a sin, because we're questioning the omnipresence of God. God will never forget us, and He will never let us down. There's nothing that can happen on this planet that can separate us from the love of God. You can read that for yourself. There's nothing. And yet often we will, when we hit a difficult time in our lives, we go, God has forgotten about us. And that's another thing that I feel God wants to deal with tonight. That we surrender and say, Lord, wherever I have questioned your sovereignty, wherever I have questioned your omnipresence, whenever I have questioned you as God, Please forgive me. So I'll just read in closing. I'll just read the last part. Because to me this is such a, such a stunning part. It says, verse 28. Have you not known? So God is asking, are you dove? Do I have to ask you again, are you dove? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. That's who we serve. The creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He's indescribable. I wish I could explain him to you, but it's indescribable. Lockridge. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might. He increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. I pray that we'll find that in our lives this week, to wait upon the Lord. So I'm going to give over to the leadership now, and just because I feel they need to just accommodate this, host this. There's some stuff that needs to be repented of, dealt with in our lives. So, Brett, if you will just take it from here. Cool.